Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome back, or welcome to 51 First Dates. <laughs> we are a podcast about dating, etc. We are a podcast experiment. <laughs> what else are we? All kinds of things. We're all kinds of things. We've been a content consumption guide as we, you know, navigate this quarantine and pandemic, which, you know, apparently the country has just decided is over. Um, but we, you know, and we're, we're your friends trying to be, you know, more proactive and better allies through this incredibly difficult time. I mean, I think, you know, just with everything going on in the world, we we are trying to, to navigate being that dating podcast. And so we will be lighthearted at times. Um, we have a great interview with Hannah Orenstein today, an amazing author and editor of – senior dating editor at Elite Daily. But um, more about that shortly. I guess – just at the top, just – I don't know, Liza. I want to keep reminding people that we're thinking of them. And if this is not the time that you want to be listening to a podcast like this, we get it. And if there are, you know, certain guests and topics you want covered, we're working on it, especially around kind of race and dating and, you know, let us know because we are working on it. And I will just continue to ramble on. If you want to come on and talk about your dating experiences, uh, definitely let us know that as well. We haven't had a regular dater because of quarantine and everything and you know because dating is over dating no, is over but no, it's different just, <laughs> just kidding um it is significantly changed and it's a weird time it's a weird time to be hosting a dating podcast in all mm -hmm. honesty we've been kind of regularly talking and being like wait how do we do this like what do we what yeah. do we do what do we what do people want to hear what do people want to talk about so you know we're gonna keep kind of doing what we've been doing um but again if there's specific things you want to to hear let us know we uh ha are gonna have our interview with hannah orenstein today she's been on the podcast before she's uh the senior dating editor at elite daily which is very cool and she wrote a new book we're gonna talk all about that yes that book is out today it's head over heels it's a rom-com about gymnastics um but but sorry that sounded wild but really it's also about someone, you know, going through a breakup and an old crush. It's a really – I, you know, we haven't read it yet, but we will be soon. It's a great read. Check that out. Um, she also wrote Love at First Like and Playing with Matches. I know we have some Hannah fans out there um, and hopefully maybe some new listeners from Hannah. Uh, but Completely. we were so happy to have her. We talked about 
everything. <laughs> yes. It was a great chat. Yeah. I'm really excited for you guys to listen. Um, also, this is just a, a smooth transition slash plug. Hannah hangs out in our secret Facebook group, which you yes. guys should join. Yep. It's a really, I feel like it's a really great place during quarantine. I'm going to do like, like 90 seconds of self-promotion. Ready? Or us promotion. Um, <laughs> self being you and me. <laughs> so we, uh, she, our secret Facebook group is so great. And we're going to talk, actually talk shortly before we go into our interview with Hannah, we're going to talk a little bit about breakups in quarantine, which is something that has come up in the secret Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many, everyone in our secret Facebook group is kind and sweet and supportive and like very wise. Like a lot of times when we are reading questions from our secret Facebook group, which we always get permission for, um, but like we would never, everything is anonymous in there and we will never share anything you post without asking First, if it's okay. And then on top of that, we never share names, of course. So, but it is, I think, just like a really nice, safe place to get support around all things dating and love. And a lot of times when we talk about questions on here from the secret Facebook group, like the comments that end up coming are way wiser than anything we say. So I agree. I wish I had place. it. Check it out. I, I know. wish I had had it's it. It's a good support the- group. Yeah. I'm very proud of it. It's like one of the things I'm most proud of on the internet or yeah. whatever from this podcast and on the internet. Um, and while we're on and- it, sorry, no, <laughs> do it, do it. I was do gonna, it. well, I, I'm gonna do, thing. I'm gonna do an old school one. If you could still rate, subscribe, review, we are, we would love that. I feel like we're like the silver lining of us not being a huge, huge podcast is that we have this amazing secret Facebook group that is nice and kind and we can manage, but we also would love more listeners because it helps us get really cool guests. Um, and I feel like you all also just write such nice messages when you review the show uh it means the world so if you want to thank you for that i also just want to shout you all out another thank you for raising money for both all sorts of causes related to black lives matter you raised over three thousand dollars we are fucking amazed we're so pumped about that but also um you know, we still have that Patreon. Is that where you thought I was going, Liza? We still have that yeah. Patreon and we're still donating your money to Feeding America. That was a COVID initiative that we had set up a while ago. So you can join. It will like, should this just lead into our content consumption corner? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you go over to our Patreon, just as a plug, you'll get bonus content from us. Anything you donate up to the first $500 um, will go directly to Feeding America. There are still a lot of families dealing with food insecurity in America, especially because of economic crises caused by the quarantine. So we're trying to support, um, you know, support that as well as all of the um, causes around the the uh, movement to dismantle white supremacy. We are, uh, yeah, trying to keep both at least active. Um, it's a small platform we have, but we, we do want to, like, do the best with it. The, the most good with it that we can. Mm-hmm. So you can feel really good about joining the Patreon, even if you don't even listen to the episodes, which you should, because they're really fun and we're really unfiltered and we don't edit anything. And I think they're a blast. Um, we just did a recap of and a live watch along episode of He's Just Not That Into You. And this week we did a recap of the first episode of the new season of Dating Around. Yes. So, okay. I feel like I forced Liza to like get into this show, but I know some of you are watching it. It's let's talk content consumption corner. Here we go. Okay. Dating Around is a show that is not at all The Bachelor or other dating reality shows. And I revel in the awkward 
semi-produced but less produced than other TV show moments of people going on first dates. And it is on Netflix and season two is out. And I don't – I can't even tell you if I – because I blew through it. Liza and I have only recapped the first one so far. But I just – I don't know why I'm like – I eat the shit up. But I also know it's not a perfect show or I, – I, I can't understand it. But it just feels because, so relevant to what we were talking well, about. Well, it's because – and this is what you told me when you first pitched it to me. It's because it actually – it's the only show that actually feels like what real dating is like. Yes. And that's massive. Um, and and that's how I now describe it to everyone who I talk to about it. Because, like, when you put it to, that way to me, I was like, oh, I get that. Like, that's why – yeah. So – Okay, you can go to our Patreon for our full feelings about that, but that's been a big part of Kimmy's content. Of, of Kimmy's it's been my big content. And I just want to say, we we had Victoria from season one on um, last time, and I'm gonna we're going to try to get someone cool from this season on. Um, I guess I shouldn't say who I want it to be in case it doesn't happen, but we'll just try. Tell – okay, Liza hasn't seen them all yet, but um, – I haven't seen the whole season yet. Please – DM Diva and tell her that she should be on 51 First Dates. Um, Great name. Yeah. Um, but yes, so there's that. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. I was going to – oh, oh, I just wanted to say that from the first season if you watched it and then I'll stop talking about dating around. Uh, I just broke this news on the Patreon, but I want to break it here. I didn't break it. You probably read it if you're obsessed with reality TV. But Gurky from season one, Liza, I was just telling her that she was the one who all the guys were douches, especially one guy was pretty spectacularly awful to her. So her second date was not a second date. It was a date with herself. She walks down the street holding bags and a hot man passes her, smiles and turns to her. Well, that hot man was actually the director of Dating Around Season 1 or her episode. And they are fully together. Like, look on Instagram. So she's dating a very hot director man. And I just – there is a relationship that came from the show. Okay. It's pretty badass. I think it's pretty awesome. And so I, was, I, I was thrilled when you broke that to me on the Patreon. Um, my consumption has been weird. Okay. Oh, you know what I actually do want to talk about? And shout out. I got really deep into a book that I said I was going to read last week, which is The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, it's a, a novel. Would recommend for fans of magical realism. It is also um, uh, like a very, very tough and emotional read but a very very good and powerful one so if anyone's reading that and wants to chat about it you know dm me or something um i would love to talk to someone about it because i'm definitely processing it um and uh i'm also listening to white fragility on my walks another one that is tough but high recommend and something i think is good for white liberals yeah. Um. She lays out in this book like this book is for white liberals. It's not for people who like. It's about examining the biases that you don't think you have. Uh. And that's been tough. I've felt more like I felt def- the defensive. She she talks a lot about defensiveness in the in the book, and I've been feeling it listening. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't think that was there. And then there it is. And so I just I think it's helping me peel back some layers of my own. Um, my own mind and my own relationship to race in America, and it's hard. And I just think it's very important for people to read it or listen to it. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm glad I am. And it is not easy. 
no, I need to. And because that is from a white author, try to buy it from a black-owned bookstore or, you know, buy it in, with another book. Um, but, yeah. Yes. I, I – it's, it's just been, like, the biases as white liberal people who think they don't have them. Yeah, confronting that has been – I've been disappointed in myself. And yeah. it's – but it's really important to continue – doing that I think when I think of like people getting defensive it's like I think of the comments I see in totally secret Facebook groups not ours thank goodness or, or, or white people being like but it all lives matter means that all lives matter and it's like if we're still doing this you have no brain cells to comprehend totally. what's going on but I think like so if I see someone who's maybe a little less willing to educate themselves be defensive I like consider that but you're right it's like the little and we like the two black girls one rose episode dear white liberals i thought it was really helpful just like examining all the shit we do as liberal white women specifically because as women we love to gripe about our own shit like the patriarchy yeah the patriarchy is part of the yeah totally and you can't be a good feminist until you are a good ally to black people in america like it it, like it's it's especially as yeah there is a lot of people talking about white feminism right now but uh it's something that i am disappointed in myself and i'm really trying yeah. to do better Agreed. um so those are my reads but oh my god I, you were gonna your mind is gonna be blown by how highbrow like, like literally all i've been watching is survivor and 90 day fiance for the like all of quarantine in the past <laughs> week something happened to me because i also am reading and watching at the same time normal people have you watched it at all i have only watched the first episode but i will start it again because i read it last summer um okay what do you tell tell me your thoughts this should be a patreon thing too or i don't know tell us what to do dating around on the Patreon. okay we'll figure it out i mean i think it's too (laughs) i think it's too like heavy i don't know it's definitely a drama it's funny because i've talked about this before but jeff my fiance does not like tv Like, it's a big thing. It's a problem in our relationship that I want to watch TV. He likes movies, but he also, like, he just can't sit still. Like, mm-hmm. he, he has never binge-watched anything in his life. Like, and he he can't, like, sit and watch. Like, I could spend a full weekend doing nothing but watching TV, and I'd be in fucking heaven. Yeah, and he, if he watches, I've never seen him watch more than three episodes of anything in a row, ever. And I could watch... 12 it just doesn't phase me mm-hmm. um so we don't watch a lot of tv together because i tend to like lap him many times and i'm just like i want to keep going i want to watch that i don't want to wait for you like it's a lot of that but he also just a lot of times he'll watch a show and uh watch it for like three episodes and be like eh, i kind of get it i don't really need to watch anymore whereas i finish like almost everything i start it's yeah. so weird to me it's definitely his serial killer tri- i'm like what is wrong with you i think it's so weird but I was watching Normal People last night on the TV, like, before bed, and he kind of wandered out and started watching with me and was like, oh, this is really good. It's very – it's really high-quality filmmaking, such good acting. It took me a couple episodes of the show to really get into it, but I'm actually liking the show better than the book, which wow. is kind of The book yeah. – when I read the book, it had been so hyped up. I was a little, like, not – Yeah. I think I talked about this on the podcast. Uh, not disappointed, just, like, I get it. It's so unique in the way she's able to craft – again it's like real real a real relationship in a very different way than dating around but it like yes the nuances feel so uh they like hit you hard or like they yeah. fe- i don't know even though i haven't been it feels that exact. so like t- 
teenagers dating and having sex like in a realistic way and And i didn't have emotions yeah Yeah. me either at all but i had a relationship that i wanted to be that relationship because you know i'm a crush monster that didn't turn out that way and i but i was obsessed with him and like in my mind it kind of was that relationship like we Mm. were each other's like only i think yeah but he did not like me about this relationship it is like a double crush like i won't give anything away but it's not just like one person pining after another totally Um, yeah or like a yeah it's not like a friendship friendship with I don't know well whatever the power changes hands a lot which is why it's so exciting but the thing that I also think is so cool is that a lot of the season is directed by this guy Lenny Abramson who also directed the movie Room which is like one of my favorite movies in recent years like I think it's so beautiful and heartbreaking um Mm -hmm. so that yeah like heartbreaking yeah like don't Uh, so that's really cool if you, yeah no yeah. room don't watch it right now i was thinking to, to <laughs> those that we're about to speak to around like breaking up in quarantine don't like not that it, it doesn't matter if you're sad at all don't watch it right now <laughs> or just go ahead and read what it's about before don't go watch it just on my blind recommendation yeah. <laughs> go read what it's about and then make a decision yeah sorry you but should, the movie itself is very beautifully made and um also a great book but he whatever he uh he i think the direct it's like it's just such high quality TV. It's a was a partnership between BBC and Hulu, and you know, BBC fucking kills it, man. They're really yeah. good. They're really, They're really good at doing good. what they do over there. So that, uh, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm reading, audiobooking, watching good TV. I'm like, who am I? I'm. So I don't know excited. myself. No, I I will start. I'll start back up with normal people now that you're watching it, so we can talk about it. Um, yeah. Well, that was some content. I was the reality tv on netflix consumer though this week i was the lowbrow um we swap places because you are so on top of watching good tv and i'm like i'm just gonna watch another season of survivor (laughs) no i also started fucking queer eye because even though i'm sick of that there are like always two episodes that leave me in a puddle of tears and that i was watching with day 13 and he was crying too so there are there are a couple episodes that are really powerful and then there are yeah you know that show is imperfect, but it feels like comforting, yes. which I know is not great. I don't think everything is fixed because these guys go around fixing things. But there are two episodes in particular that really were like uh, heart-rending. Yeah. Not, Dude, yeah. that show, I got into a fight about that show. Not a fight, but one of – so one of Jeff's friends was like, I just think that that show without – okay, I think Karamo is so misnomered in that show. Like he uh-huh. is, his subtitle is not culture. It is therapy, man. No. He is a fucking therapist and he's so good at it. And the episodes that leave me in puddles are always because Karamo fucking gets in there. I saw a hilarious tweet that was like all of the different names of the people in Queer Eye. And it was like, Bobby, your house is blue and gray now. Like Jonathan, you have a like your beard's true, like all of the things whatever and then Karamo was at the bottom and in all caps it said face your demons <laughs> and I, I was yeah. just like yeah and it's so like I am so it's such a testament to like go to therapy people because the outside in stuff is great like mm. I feel so much better when I look better, when I'm dressed well, when my hair, like I do, taking care of your body is a reflection of how you feel about yourself and your home and all of these things are important. But it's like, he's the one who does, he puts on gloves and gets them there and does the fucking grimy work. Yeah, in I agree. In people's heads. Ugh, 
I'm sorry. I'm so no, sorry. yeah, I because they all like I just like LOLing at Anthony when he like uh, he just can't. I know it's so old now that he just like doesn't cook, but like he doesn't he know how just to cook. Also, like they're like uh, he's just yeah. He's yes. Lost. Some of his comments, you're just like you're playing this up, but I also just have to laugh at you. Sometimes I feel like you just say things. Okay, yeah. Anyway. But no, yeah. I know everyone's so good at their jobs. It's I mean they they're all wa- massively successful. Like Bobby Tan and Jonathan are really were really successful outside of this before Queer Eye happened in their respective verticals. Like they are really good at what they do, and it's yeah. impressive to see. But like. Yeah, Anthony, I'm always like, all right, you're a nice guy. So you're hot. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. That, I'm embarrassed that I just admitted that, but it just went through my, I was just watching. Um, okay. No, I love that show. I mean, I watched, I like, I think that show is great. It's, it's, it makes you feel good. They're incredibly kind and they make, they help people and make people think of themselves differently and work on their self-confidence like it is it is not you know there are issues with the show but I think that like it is a big force for positivity and like the thing that I love about that show I'm sorry I'll talk about this for 30 more seconds and then I'll stop this is my last (laughs) sentence about that show I know so many straight men who watch that show and love that show and it has made them re-examine their sense of masculinity and I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I think it's powerful that, like, my boyfriend cries during it. <laughs> Tr- truly. Like, I realize, like, men can be vulnerable with each other, open with each Like, like the, these, the, the cast of Queer Eye makes the guests, the, the makeovies, the people who, who are guests on Queer Eye, makes them open themselves up and, like, be vulnerable. And it's, like, it, they, I don't know. I'm just obsessed with yeah, and they, the vulnerability. There are a couple of like draw. life-changing-y things they do where I was like, you better do that for her if you're going to yes. make her over. This season where I was the like. The van? The van. Yes. Oh. Totally. Uh, that episode I was in tears. I was like. That's <laughs> also the episode where Karamo literally like it does what 40 weeks Dude. of therapy would do to a couple in like three minutes. Sits a couple down and is like, why did you cheat? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> like, over coffees. I was like, Karamo. He's so good. I mean, I know it's a show, but like, I don't know. I was really no. touched by her story and just like, yeah, uh, I was. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Because I, I didn't love anyway. the first episode, but anyway, okay, same. Um, <laughs> okay, so briefly, speaking of couples cheating, I don't know. Again, no, with my not, transitions, we're gonna just so briefly talk about um, breakups in quarantine. It's something yes. that's come up in the secret Facebook group, and it is clearly from our thread there a thing that a lot of people are going through, and at a very difficult time just globally, and then like just having it feel terrible I think I was very surprised a listener wrote about a recent breakup um this June but then a lot of people wrote about different times during the pandemic um where they were broken up with uh and I felt for all of you like this is an incredibly difficult time and I think that having people in your life like I'm just finally now and this is like you know relationship privilege problems but seeing my boyfriend after three and a half months I feel so lucky but I felt lucky to have him even just as like even though we fought a ton because it's also scary like I just felt so lucky having that support system in this difficult time yeah so my heart and again not that we can't all be our own best support systems or our families or our friends but my heart does go out to anyone who's I think grieving a loss in terms of a breakup is so hard no matter what and without 
you know, so easily being able to go out with your friends or do the things that might distract you otherwise, it's it's really tough. Um, yes. And also I can understand why it happens because this is such an abnormal, uh, unprecedented eye roll at that word, but time and it puts I think that it puts so much pressure on relationships especially if you live together but even if you don't like everyone is stressed everyone is has fear about older people in their lives vulnerable people like um you know people high risk like health wise people in their lives um we all have a lot of us are worried about our parents a lot of us have lost their jobs a lot of us have no idea, like myself included, when our industry is going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like economic uncertainty. Like there's a there's everything is crazy. And any one of those circumstances tends to be like the high some of the highest stress times in life when you are dealing with extreme like financial financial uncertainty. That's hard in a relationship when you're worried about the health of a parent or your or your loved ones. That's really hard in a relationship. Like. Any of these things individually, if they were just happening in a normal time, would be so much pressure on a relationship. They're all happening at once and we can't go anywhere and we're stuck in a lot of times in the same place. Like, I think that it's just so such a hard time to be in a relationship that doesn't have like really strong legs. That's a weird metaphor. Because it's interesting. There were also some comments. There was, I know, a comment about someone who had broken up their relationship at the beginning of the pandemic like knew they weren't in it all the way and like you and that's another version of feeling you feel really sad around that too even if you're not the one quote-unquote dumped um I think like if I had to put on my like positive thinking hat which is annoying so you can tune out if you're like no I just want to be negative about my breakup right now but I think the only good things are one every breakup the hardest part in terms of like massive pain that makes you feel like you can't get up, it was usually it's usually an upward curve from there. Even if shit gets hard again and spikes again, I feel like just remind yourself of other breakups and how like and there are some comments, you know, to this listener who posted about this um, in solidarity. Like remember that like it gets better it, eventually, yeah. even if it's years. Totally. Part two. Well, also. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no the only other silver linings I'm like every time and it's so hard to look back and see, but it's like I have so many regrets and they weren't even real relationships just for not ending things sooner. So even though it's a pandemic, so it feels like it wouldn't have been wasted time necessarily, it kind of is because now you have this time to part three of the silver lining to me is like you can't really date in the normal way now. You can't accidentally throw yourself into something too fast. You have to kind of sit with the shit like if I broke up with my boyfriend right now, I think – I don't know. And this is just me because I'm so terrible at having had serious relationships. But I would try my best to just like – you don't have to eat, pray, love it. But just like kind of appreciate that there's no pressure to get back out there right now because literally dating yeah. is dangerous, you know. Um, I don't know if that's all weight. That's, again, yeah. high level trying to be positive. Well, no, I think it's true that there we do a lot of us also do have right now more time to take care of ourselves. It's really it's harder to take care of ourselves right now, but now that we're a lot of us, I mean, I feel like in the last like even as I, I was saying jokingly earlier that I'm watching higher bra content and reading again this week, like, I feel like we, hitting month three, I was kind of like, okay, something about this feels like the new normal. I think I can start eating 
a little bit better, drinking a little bit less, Mm -hmm. reading, you know, just like doing, bringing in some things that feel a little better. Maybe now that we're all in a routine with this, like the extra time that a lot of people have can be used towards showing yourself a lot of love, doing a lot of things you want to do, like things that you normally want to do after a breakup. It's also tough because you have a lot of time to sit around and think about it and not a lot of distractions, which are also helpful after a breakup. But I think, and this is just something I will say as someone who's been in good good relationships and bad relationships, I think that not having, I think an imperfect support system is sometimes worse than not having a support system. Like I think a relationship that doesn't give you what you need can just be so draining and learning to support yourself in this time is a really strong thing but also I think sometimes it takes a couple months after a break especially like if if you were broken up with I think sometimes it takes a little while to get to that point because of like the horrible kind of like surprise of it but if the breakup was mutual or if you were the one breaking up with the person even if you miss them and love them but you knew it wasn't right like you have given yourself a freedom and taken away something you know like it's it those those things that are not right can be so draining, especially at a high-stress time like this. Yeah, and I feel like these past few months, pandemic, you know, confronting white supremacy in the U.S., like seeing the video of George Floyd's life being taken away, like I don't know, this is again going to veer on cheesy or like, but life is really short and a lot of horrifying things are happening in this world. And so, yes, understanding wanting the support system. But like, I don't know, even if you're feeling like I, someone wrote like I'm 27, like I'm defeated about dating generally. 27 is so young. Like as much as life is short, it's too, it's too short to spend it with someone you don't love just to be with someone. Yeah. But it's also like you have time. Anyone listening to the podcast, you're all younger than us at, there's so much time. And I know it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but like, yeah. don't let but that also, get in you're the not. way. I mean, we also have some listeners who are older than us. And I think that like, look, I, I don't know, both of my parents are each other's second marriages. And that was something that came together way later in life for both of them. You know, like there's, it, it doesn't, saying, yeah, I'm such a firm believer that a bad relationship or even just like an average relationship is so not better than being alone and having freedom. And the more I think you think about all of the positives that come from being not having to make decisions based on someone that you're not like deeply, madly, insanely in love with, it's like a very good thing, (laughs) I think. I spent my entire 20s complaining about being single and like I am I couldn't be great more grateful it doesn't mean anything that I got into a relationship it doesn't make me a different person it doesn't yeah I thought for some reason it would mean I'm more worthy like fuck that shit it is I don't know I've said this all the time but my hindsight is like from the past two years and then before when I was always in these shitty little things and feeling like I'm not enough I would I feel like I'm in way better mental health than some friends who's just stayed in relationships or I always thought were desired by men like totally because I learned how to be by myself it's like that thing of you know when you when you're in 
a certain point, like when I was in college, I looked back at high school and was like, oh, if I knew what I knew now, I could have done high school so much better. And after college, I was like, oh, if I knew what I knew now, I could have done college so much better. I was thinking about this watching normal people. I was like, oh, I wish I could do college again, but now with my self-confidence and my like all of these things. And that's how it feels having been in, like being in a gr- great relationship. You feel like, oh, shit, I wish I could go back and just tell my single self that this doesn't fix the problems that th- that are there or like and look it's it's amazing I'm not gonna lie and say it's not amazing to be with someone who you really love and really loves you but having been in several so-so relationships before this it's not worth it just to be in a relationship <laughs> like it's yeah. just not I think that's real and like this is also you know advice we like I've had like again not even big breakups but just like heartbreaks that Liza has been like an amazing friend and making projects with me like letting me put a little into it like when we made our first web series like throwing in some scenes that really made me feel like I was reclaiming an experience or like doing this experiment like even if you're not you're like I'm not a creator I don't want to do it just like I don't know I I for me the most tangible piece of advice I can give is like when you're ready make something out of it even if it's like painting your fucking room a new color because it totally you know or like write your own book even if you never plan to publish it like I don't know Journal. I, I'm such a journaler write all your feelings down and someone recommended in this thread going on um which I haven't listened to this podcast but it's called the breakup monologues and it's a comedy podcast uh which this listener said um helped her like see the humor in all the situations and that's the thing that years of perspective gives you and you can't rush it but like I can look back and be like lol Kimmy you (laughs) were saying some things that are not appropriate to say (laughs) like you I can't I'm too embarrassed just thinking about them um no I mean just look we've all been there we've all been uh the perpetrators (laughs) but making something of it or like it's it's tough. Also, yeah. what, remember when I was taking my happiness class? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's trickier now, but like if you can volunteer or do something that makes you feel like you're doing something good for other people, that is like a guaranteed way to put things in perspective, like scientifically proven. So not necessarily – it's not going to fix your relationship. Like I, I, I'm sorry, your heart because of your relationship. But it's just another thought I just had of a thing you could do. Yeah, completely. And I think it's a great time to connect with other people in your life that that you miss. I've been really using this quarantine to, like, reach out to people I haven't talked to in a long time, say hi, ask how they're doing, ask what they're watching. You know, people I haven't talked to in months, years. I had, like, the most amazing three-hour-long Zoom call with a friend that I just hadn't talked to in over a year, and it was so you know it was so nice like I think it's another really good time for that where a lot of us are at home and feeling isolated so a lot of people want to connect and I'm sure there's people out there who really um can bring a lot of like whatever joy and connection into your life and it's a I don't know a good time for that too and we're here email us emails if you just want to come on and talk about that you don't have to go on a date to come. like I don't know we I'm like please come on we love hearing from people but we do um let us like honestly genuinely reach out like be like Kimmy and Liza and we will read your email and talk about what you want us to or reach back out I don't know I just want to wrap all those nuggets up with like I feel for you because I also know there's just kind of nothing you can do at a certain yeah, point totally and also it's a great time to eat 
absolute garbage and watch um everything on Hulu. Like the the absolute worst garbage. the no. worst <laughs> trash. I've, I'm a strong believer in like just full on 90 Day Fiancés and Dur- 90, day, 90 Day Fiancé and Doritos in bed. Sometimes that's okay too. Yep, it is. <laughs> anyway, on that note, <laughs> we have right turn. Hannah. We're gonna Orenstein. we're gonna take yeah we're gonna take a really quick ad break. We'll be back with Hannah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Great. And now we are back with Hannah Orenstein. You know her because she's been on the pod before. We recorded in my little tiny room in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. (laughs) You also know her because she's the senior dating editor at Elite Daily and author of Head Over Heels, which comes out pretty much now when you're listening to this episode, June 23rd, as well as Love at First Like and Playing with Matches. Hannah, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Yes, I feel like, yeah, what, I mean, so many things have changed in 2020, but even, I don't know, I'm just thinking back to when we recorded and we were in the little apartment drinking rosé together and now we're all in different places due to quarantine and life changes. Um, yeah, it feels like a long time ago, but we are so happy to have you back. All right, so Hannah, you've been on, so you have told us your worst first, but do you have a worst FaceTime date. We like pre spoke about a little quarantine dating. So do you have a worst FaceTime first? Uh, you know, unfortunately I do. Um, I've only been on FaceTime dates with three different men. And one of them is like, if I had met him in real life, it would have been one of the worst dates ever. Thankfully this was only like 45 minutes on FaceTime. So it didn't totally ruin my night, but, um, I met him in a really promising way. I met him at a virtual singles mixer hosted by this cool company called Here Now. Um, and he seemed promising and cute and interesting and smart and like busy in quarantine, which is impressive. Um, but, oh my God, he was the biggest name dropper I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he started off our FaceTime by telling me that his dad's dog has two puppies owned by the CEO of LL Bean or their descendants from <laughs> Oh my god. I oh, that's the most absurd thing to tell another human being. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh that's just that's just like minute one. We're at like Oh my God. Um then he he keeps talking about how he's really good friends with a lot of the ballerinas at the Boston Ballet and he does it so often that I'm like, do you do you know like how do you know all these ballerinas and he's like oh like my ex Megan so that's number two um he tells me that he hired a publicist who is quote one of the top females in China as if like like what does that mean there's like how many (laughs) millions of people are there billions of people um and that's a little gross uh and then he also brags that his um grandfather was the first doctor to be imprisoned at Auschwitz and that closed out the call. And then he talked to me for 10 minutes about video games. And then I said I had to get dinner. Ooh. So that was it. <laughs> Ooh, ah, man. Oh, that's rough. my God. Yeah. How unbelievably strange. Yeah, he was really full of himself. Um, really impressed with the fact that he had, like, multiple pro athlete friends in different sports. 
um, which doesn't impress me at all. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Also, this is a lot of name, like, of, like, I don't know what the right term is, dick swinging. For, like, I mean, this, that, ballerinas, dogs. Out, like, my grandfather was an Auschwitz. Like, that, that, that's, like, such a weird... Uh, it's obviously incredibly interesting story, but it's a weird thing to brag about. It was weird. Like, I understand if, like, my grandfather was in the Holocaust, too. I understand if it comes up as, like, something that, you know, people talk about, like, whatever, family history. But, like, that wasn't it. He was just like, oh, yeah, he was the first. It was cool. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, if it, yeah, if it came up in conversation, I would want to know as much as the person was was willing to tell me about that that's so interesting and it's amazing to like be able to know that part of your family's history but like i would never brag about i don't know what a weird just it feels strange it's yeah. strange of, brag yeah different types of bragging it sounds like and you know bragging on a first date never a great look uh at all yeah wow that's really really hilarious and strange well <laughs> also also, can you okay? We're well. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk all about your book. We're going to talk a little bit about Facetime dates. There, we're going to cover a lot of territory. But just while we're on this topic, can you tell us a little bit about the singles mixer? Yeah. So I first heard about Here Now through my work at Elite Daily, and I went to um, like a press preview right before one of their last in real life mixers back in New York, and they do. Um, events both in New York and LA and it's like a curated mix of single people I think they max it out at like 20 people and it's sort of like a cocktail party and they uh have different icebreaker conversations and different instructions so it's like first you talk to these four people and then these four and then you have a one-on-one with that person and the idea is that it uh is just supposed to feel like fresh and not like sort of like a cheesy old school singles mixer but you also get to meet kind of cool people um I didn't do one of like the regular events in New York um but I did wind up at there um so they had one at the Strand which is one of my favorite bookstores in New York and I thought oh how perfect would it be to go to a mixer at a bookstore um my friend Lane Moore who's an author she wrote um, a book called How to Be Alone and she was doing a reading at the event and I was like how cool like I get to support a friend and go to this event and it was the week of Valentine's Day and I showed up so excited I had been looking forward to this for like two weeks and um, it was, I think, 25 women and me and one man, because obviously I went to a loneliness themed singles mixer like the day before Valentine's Day and I didn't oh get together until I walked in. Um, but I made a friend and that was cool. Um, and I had a good enough experience that I decided to do the virtual speed dating as well. So, yeah. Interesting. And then when in, in the virtual one, was it similar? They set you up in small conversations. They kind of match you with certain people or how did that work yeah it was really small I think it was four women and four men plus the two hosts and so it was over zoom where you can go into different breakout rooms so we we're put into different rooms um and so the, the their rules are you can't talk about work which is what every New Yorker does on every first date um and you can't talk about the pandemic and so uh from there you're given like different icebreaker conversations and you splinter off and discuss and then come back and talk about what you've learned and then um, I got to speak to almost every single person there. I spoke to all the men and I spoke to most of the women. And then at the end of the night, um, you fill out a survey to see 
to see who you're romantically interested in and who you're platonically interested in. And if you're matched with somebody, then you get a text. So I indicated that I was interested in, I think, three of the men um, matched with two of them. One was the name dropper and one was lovely and not my ultimate match, but still a nice guy to meet. So I'm glad I did. That's That's cool. cool. I love how structured it is. And I also loved that rule about don't talk about the pandemic. I don't know, because at the beginning of all of this, and even still, I'm like, how was your pandemic, Hannah? It's just, it's nice to just set that up as a a rule no pandemic speak it feels hard to me to not talk about work though when you said that i was like wait what would i talk about not that i'm even a workaholic i, I i'm not even working right now <laughs> but it's like it, it is very core to i think especially a lot of new yorkers to be very like so what do you do what is that how does it work you know yeah i was really caught off guard by it um especially because like right now promoting a book all I do all day long is talk about what I'm working on. Um, but you could see that other people were really struggling. So the name dropper guy, he was like, I have 31 books that I have to read in the next room. And I would love to tell you about them, but I can't because it's for a thing I'm not supposed to talk about. Mm. And it was because he told me twice. And I know that. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Hannah, was any of that, like, do you ever find in real life on dates, on these same dates, you know, you as, you know, a dating editor, um, and a writer who writes about romantic themes, do you, do you ever kind of want people to not know that you're involved in dating and writing? I don't know. I barely wrote at Elite Daily in dating, and I was always like, oh, people are going to think it's all for the content. Or even this podcast, what am I talking about? Like, I don't know. Is there anything, like, do you mind talking about your writing as it pertains to relationships and dating? Um, do you prefer to leave that till later or what? Um, I, it really depends on who the person is and how they handle it. I don't really have a problem. Well, I used to, I used to tell people and then I realized like they would get really weird about it as we've discussed. Um, so I just say I'm a writer. And then if they ask, could I say, well, I edit stories about dating and I write books about relationships mostly. Um, but I always give that with a caveat. Like it's definitely not about my personal life. Like, please do not think I'm going to write about you. Like you're probably not that interesting to write about. Sorry, like uh, everything, giving a dose of humor with it, um, sort of like tamps down that fear that a lot of guys have that they're just going to be blasted on the internet. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then, you know, you are so, you know, I feel like you're so up in or in the know on all sorts of dating trends because of your work. Do you have any feelings either from your own experience dating during quarantine or from, you know, editing stories and writing yourself, like, do you, how do you think this period will impact the way we date going forward? And we've talked about this a bunch recently, but I just, I feel like you have an expert opinion. So I would, I would love to know what you think. Oh, well, thanks. Um, you know, I think at the beginning of quarantine, people were really optimistic and really, yeah, like it's all going to be about emotional connection and, you know, people are going to build such deep connections before ever meeting. And I want to believe that's true because I want to have some faith in humankind, but um, I don't think that's true. I think uh, there was a really wonderful reductress story that was like, guy tells three girls that he's dating them and just them during quarantine until he hooks up with them after the pandemic and then dumps them all. (laughs) (laughs) I've been hearing stories like of friends of friends who are having that experience. So yeah, I don't think unfortunately that that's really, I don't think people are going to change how they date. 
Yeah, we were talking about, you know, maybe this could be like a vetting, new vetting process. People could like hop on the phone before they get on the real life date. But yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't, I also have no idea when things will go back to quote unquote normal because even first kisses will be the, the level of risk, you know, on a first date to kiss someone is massive. Um, yeah, I've had some friends go on socially distanced walks, but even that gets pretty frustrating because how long can you do that for, you know? Right. How many walks can you have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. Um, yeah. And then it's like, how on earth are we going to start responsibly like hooking up again and all of this kind of stuff? And I know a lot of people just don't care and are doing what they're doing, but that's irresponsible. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people are taking it really seriously so it's starting to be like yeah I feel like I've started to see people online being like okay well I'll get a COVID test and you'll like it's so much more serious to get into someone's apartment now for sure I think maybe one way of looking at it is like similarly after the 2016 election a lot of people were like oh well now I can't date somebody if they don't share my political views and maybe now it's like I can't date somebody unless they share my safety precautions Yeah. And I also wonder if like the poll, not that it's political because it's just justice in my opinion, but with everything going on with Black Lives Matter, I wonder if there will be, I don't know, some other deal breakers that come up earlier on dates, even on FaceTime when people are talking about things in a certain way, um, you know, or saying something like all lives matter. And then I would know immediately like, no, thank you. Um, Yeah. Actually, I know myself. I would like try to educate the stranger, which I know is what I should be trying to do as an ally, but I would do a bad job. I would just get angry and I'm working on it. But anyway. Um, okay. So switching gears a little bit to Head Over Heels, which is out this week when this comes out. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about kind of what inspired you to write this book um, and how it's – because it's a bit different than your two other um, – books in terms of the gymnastics of it all but yeah could you just tell us a little bit about it yeah so head over heels is a rom-com set in the world of olympic gymnastics and it follows my main character avery who is a former elite gymnast who just narrowly missed out on making the olympics and seven years later she returns to her hometown in massachusetts after a breakup and she starts working as a coach for a young gymnast who wants to make the 2020 olympics and she is coaching alongside ryan who is her teenage crush who then went to the olympics and is now also a coach um and the book follows the months leading up to the 2020 olympics which makes i think the reading experience now a little bit bittersweet but um i like to think of it as an alternate universe if you want to read something in which the pandemic didn't happen mm-hmm. and The inspiration for the book was really my love of gymnastics. I grew up as a gymnast and I spent 15 years in the sport. And so I really wanted to write something that celebrated uh, just the gymnasts that I looked up to as a kid and even now, um, and gave people something to look forward to, you know, for the Olympics, Uh, especially since they're not happening this summer. I didn't predict that, but, you know, I wanted to write something that tied in with my love for the Olympics, which I think a lot of people share. I feel like childhood crushes are like the absolute most formative part of my romantic life. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about, you know, writing about someone who is returning to like a childhood crush? Yeah. Uh, Oh, I love this question. I've never gotten this before. But um, I mean, podcast people can't see me, but I'm like blushing thinking about my childhood crush. That's the thing. It puts us all right there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the point of a, a... you know, a romance novel, and my book sort of straddled the line between romance and fiction, but 
Um, the point of a romance novel is to give the reader sort of crush while they're reading it. And so, you know, to heighten those stakes, isn't it more fun to return to a romance that sort of went by when you were younger because you were too awkward to say anything to the person that you liked? Um, so when I started figuring out like who the characters would be, I knew that I wanted to have that sort of second chance romance element. Um, so yeah, the first couple chapters in which Avery and Ryan interact are really awkward <laughs> because they're both really flustered and she, you know, feels like she isn't sort of the girl that he once knew and he is clearly interested in her but she can't really accept that um so there's a lot of awkwardness a lot of uh i think you know readers might sort of like scream at them just like talk and like kiss already like get it over with but um that was really fun for me to write i will say <laughs> it sounds fun <laughs> and for anyone listening who doesn't know you must follow hannah especially if you're interested well in all things, dating, writing. But if you're interested in writing, because Hannah, I think you have such great resources on your IG of just like what, how you you hold yourself accountable to writing a certain amount of words and how to structure. You have all sorts of great writing advice. Um, but I'm curious what the most challenging part of writing Head Over Heels was for you or like the most challenging phase of it. Mm. Well, one thing that was really challenging, um, Liza, we were talking about our back pain earlier and commiserating <laughs> before, okay. um, but I was a gymnast for a really long time and I had back pain as a result and it's usually fine and it's not a huge part of my life, but for about two months while I was writing the first draft, I was in so much pain. Like I wasn't getting out of bed. I wasn't going to work. I was like only leaving my house to go to doctors and physical therapy and it was horrible. And um, I think that sort of made me question like was spending all those years in the gym really worth it like was that actually worth it and so I think you get a lot of that in the book of like seeing how much these young girls sacrifice um and sort of grappling with how much of their decisions they stand by as adults and like would they do the same thing again so um there was that was hard because I couldn't really write during those few months and I fell pretty behind schedule but um, you know, the silver lining of it is that I think it really put me in my character's shoes even more than I already expected to be. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I don't like that you had pain, but that is, that is a cool silver lining. Um, and I, you know, I think for, even for me, Eliza, we're like, wow, writing one book, impressive, so cool. And then having it be successful and writing a second. And now this is your third book what what is like the key to your success do you think obviously your hard work and your talent um which are evident but I guess like this is just me being curious I know this is a dating podcast but what do you think you know it's hard there there are lots of people releasing books and not having the same success that you do what do you think is kind of the the key that has gotten you to this third book well first thank you that's a really 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 wonderful compliment especially (laughs) so thank you of course Um, I think, you know, I learned a lot about having a work ethic from being a gymnast as a kid because, uh, you know, I had coaches standing over me barking like 30 more sit-ups, 30 more push-ups, let's go. And I think to learn that lesson as a kid, like you just have to do it because that's what you need to do, um, has definitely helped me as an adult in working. Um, I owe a lot to my readers. I think they're so wonderful and I would be absolutely nowhere without their their support. Um, you know, the way they read and share on Instagram and write reviews on Amazon and Goodreads and spread the word to their friends and give their books, you know, to their book clubs. Like, I just really appreciate all of it. Um, and I have a really good team. So I think my team a lot because they keep me going, my agent, editor, publisher, marketing person, um, they are hugely responsible for the book's success. 
So I guess surround yourself with people you like and that motivates you to do more, I guess. Yeah, no, it's so impressive. I'm like, Liza, how long have we been like, what else can we turn this podcast into and not written a thing? But (laughs) we'll get there. Yes. So just like seeing every, I feel like every year Hannah has a book out. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. (laughs) Genuinely so impressive. I may be exaggerating on every year, but that's what it feels like to me. Um, Okay. I'm going to ask. absolutely badass. A super annoying question. But I, I've been I've been on this train of when we have people on who are also in the dating world, I'm like, what I'm gonna ask annoying questions. So what do you think is the question that you get when it comes to dating and relationship advice most often? Like what are people filling your DMs with? If, if there's one. Oh yeah, you know what it is? It's I don't wanna say this is annoying because the only part of it that annoys me is that like I hate that this is such a hard problem that people have to deal with because it just breaks my heart every time but people who are dealing with either like fuck boys who drag them around and who don't give them what they deserve um or like people who have a hard time getting over exes and just like can't seek or can't get the closure that they seek um in both of those situations um not annoying I just like I just want to give all those people hugs and I know that no matter how much advice I give like that doesn't make it any easier to get through those situations. Yeah. I do feel like it's all like we were recently talking about what questions we get asked most often. And I do think it's funny the two questions you just mentioned or just the two patterns you just mentioned of, you know, not just saying no to fuck boys and then also not being able to get over people from your past are two things I've dealt with so much and throughout all of my 20s and I'm in my 30s. But there, those are really hard patterns to break. When it comes to the fuck boys, what do you usually think is happening? Like, why are so many of us? And you know, not to just be super, you know, normative, heteronormative about this. Like, why do you think when someone's treating another person badly romantically, so many of us have trouble breaking that pattern? So I think, and I don't want to say that I'm the expert on this. Like if you're struggling with this, like talk to a therapist, talk to a licensed professional, somebody who like really can help you because every situation is different. Um, But I do think that a lot of us grow up hearing these messages from society that you just need a relationship to make you happy and that's it. And you get that from like watching Disney movies when you're a kid and it's like they all lived happily ever after. Um, and then you grow up even more and you're watching The Bachelor and you see that somebody gets the final rose and you're like, oh, that's the key to being happy. So I think it's really, really hard to take a step back from a relationship or even like a half relationship when you're just sort of texting somebody where you know that it's not what you deserve because there's that fear of like, will I be able to find somebody else? Is this the best that I can get? And maybe this is all that I deserve. And even if you know better logically, like if your friend was dating that person, you would be like, this is a trash fire, please step away. I think it's a lot harder to be rational and look at it clearly when it's you in that situation, which is really hard. Yeah. Yeah, And I feel like it's also, I don't know, I I feel like we also all, I'm going to say two idioms that mean the same thing, but I feel like it's both the bird in the hand situation and the devil you know situation. Like, I feel like there is something in all of us, too, that feels because of that idea that, like, we should have be in a relationship and that gives our life meaning. There's also a thing of like, well, I have this imperfect thing and it's better to hang on to it and like shoehorn it into existence, like force it to work than to clear 
that space and allow better things to come in like the 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 faith to cut things off and believe that better things can come your way is a really hard thing for a lot of people myself included to find yeah definitely I think also one thing that I struggle with is that in almost every other part of my life I can control everything like I want to do you know I want to learn a new recipe I can make dinner you know I want to tackle a really hard chapter in a book like I can push myself to figure out how to do that but like in dating you're just one half of the equation and you can only do so much and uh you can't really control what the other person does and I think that that's what makes this particular situation so frustrating for so many people yeah and to the other question that you get and we get and that I have dealt with a lot like getting over someone like I always feel that Liza and I pretend to have advice for this and then don't necessarily have the best advice for it because well, I'm it's the so biggest hard. culprit of it yeah. I hold on to shit for fucking years I'm a disaster I don't have it's like I'm a disaster at it I like I know the week of it's like surround yourself with people you love eat the snacks you want like there there are certain little things I can like help myself or friends with in those moments but Hannah do you have any advice for anyone out there listening who's just kind of especially I feel like you know quarantine may have put a pause on some situationships or ended some relationships. Um, Any advice? What's your go-to advice, I guess, around getting over someone? Yeah. um, I think be really, like, be really strong with your boundaries about what you see on your phone. So like, don't just like block or unfollow your ex, but also like all their friends, all your family, like all their family, like you just do not need to see that. Um, And then also like hide your old Instagrams. Um, you know, just like take things off your phone that you think are going to make you sad because life is too short to look at things that make you sad. <laughs> um, I also want to plug my friend Jillian Anthony's newsletter. It's called the Cruel Summer Book Club. And it's a newsletter about getting over breakups and loss and grief. And she is really wonderful. Um, so I would suggest subscribing to that because her archives are amazing. Um, and she's just really wise and wonderful. Um, and then just, I think, you got to try to find something new that makes you happy. And that doesn't have to be a person that can be a routine. That could be a habit. Um, and I think just like surrounding yourselves with things that make you happy, which is really, really hard and like way harder than, uh, I think most of us give us, give it credit for. Yeah. Yes. And that's such good advice though, about phones and social media. There is a particular like situation ship that just, I couldn't get over forever. It was like so over. It was so over. He had a girlfriend then. Like, but we would still sometimes text, not in a flirty way. And it was like, you just have to unfollow at a point. It was like well before mute, but I also knew I could unmute. I was like, this if, if this looks petty one day, it's like it's for my peace of mind. I just need to like not harp, like keep this reminder of this person in my life. And for bigger relationships than that, it's even harder to, you know, cut ties. But I do think that's – a really good tangible piece of advice that yeah I believe fully in yeah completely um this is going back just a tiny bit but I did want to talk a little bit more about your general feelings on FaceTime dating so you had we, we heard about your worst FaceTime date but then you said you had a couple other ones right yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm really not cut out for FaceTime dating, but I also think that as a medium, like it has its issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you, what do you think 
the pitfalls are and also i'm going to say really quick i think that there is uh if you hear anything you guys probably can't hear it but listeners may be able to hear i think there's a protest going on outside my window so that's very cool but you may hear some chanting um so uh what did you what did you find to be the biggest kind of downfalls of of the facetime date the art of the facetime date i think one of the biggest issues is that there isn't really that much to differentiate it between hanging out with a new friend so like I felt like the conversation was like conversations with both guys were great like they were both like interesting we had a lot to talk about we had a lot in common um I felt like I was learning new things from them but there was there wasn't that moment where you get at a bar on a really great first date where like your knees bump under the table and like you like get a little closer and you hold hands outside and like there's the good night kiss by the subway like there's none of that it's just sort of like well see ya yeah. <laughs> um and like my wi-fi cut out um a couple times with one guy and I had to move to a different room and I wound up in my bedroom and he made this joke and he's like I guess we just work better in the bedroom don't we and oh. like, <laughs> I was so oh. just, like I was so flustered and like I kind of had the feeling that if this was a date in real life and he made a similarly flirty comment I would have like laughed and like thought it was funny and maybe even cute but because there's no other way to build up some sort of like physical spark I w- I just hated it yeah it's also I'm curious did you just even before the FaceTime were you also on apps um meeting people and then arranging FaceTime dates from there or only via that mixer oh I met one guy on tinder that okay. we wound up on some FaceTime dates but um I'm sort of like not really on the apps that much during the pandemic just because I'm not quarantined where I live so it just feels kind of pointless to me yeah, yeah. I I was thinking of um, Samantha Rothenberg, Violet Claire's stories, where she was um, doing an amazing job just documenting all of these shitheads on the internet. Like, the pandemic doesn't apply to me. And I've had friends with the same experience here in LA. And I know her listeners or our listeners, um, followers were submitting from all over the world. It's just like, it feels like there the, it could be a silver lining. I don't know, though. Like, the litmus test is just like, there are some, like, creepy – assholes out there just looking to get laid so selfishly I don't know if you even if you didn't experience that or you know through elite daily and friends kind of saw that pattern too like specific to the pandemic like specific to the pandemic or yeah I guess there's all sorts of terrible behavior because more recently um you know Violet Claire has also been posting different just total racists on these apps I guess there's always been a, a level of litmus test when you're on an app where people feel anonymous and they can just be assholes from the beginning but yeah I don't know if you also had kind of it just was so disheartening to me to see people being so ignorant in any way shape or form but you know first with the pandemic and now I'm seeing it around Black Lives Matter as well and I think the racism on the apps has always been present but just yeah I guess if you've kind of noticed that pattern too at all. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it personally. I'm a white woman, but last year we ran a really great piece by a freelancer. Uh, Her name is Chanel McKinney and she's a black woman and she was writing about how racism on dating apps just makes her not use them at all. Like she just deleted her apps and she was like, I can't do this anymore because she got so, so many responses from men who were just like offensive, racist, really bigoted. And for her mental health, she just chose to step away. And so, yeah, I definitely hear stories like that. Um, and that essay is on elitedaily.com if you want to read it. So 
Yeah, the apps definitely have a huge problem with racism, and uh, I really hope that they find a way to change that. Like, there should just be a zero-tolerance policy. Like, you get reported and you're off. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, connecting – I was clunky and asking you about, like, every terrible person on the app at the same time, but to the point around the pandemic, I think Bumble or Hinge, someone – you you were able to kind of report people and get them off the app if they weren't taking COVID seriously, right? Or, or – you were able to report people on one of the apps. I think it was Bumble, but you might know better. You know, I actually don't know off the top of my head, but I know that a bunch of apps, um, Bumble was the first to, they were like introduced this badge that you could put on your app mm. that was like, I would rather do a virtual date. I would rather do a socially distanced date with masks on or a social distance date with no masks on. And like Bumble was the first one to let you display on your profile, which kind of date that you wanted to have, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's interesting. It's just, I'm just thinking about what you were saying about um, the kind of magic of like that in-person connection being missing from FaceTime dates. I feel like that's just becoming a problem with, we've, you know, we're four months into this now and a lot of people have tried to figure out this weird frontier of like quarantining. And it does feel like this essential part of ro- of dating is like that romance thing. You can't like I. I don't even know what that means. I don't know that I could provide like a dictionary definition of what it is. But it's it's. I feel like this whole thing has been such a to me such proof of like love is not blind. This is <laughs> you know it or whatever. It's not the exact same thing as the as the reality show. But that like you do need. It is about an in person connection. It is about feeling someone out in a room and like being with them in physical space and have a, having moments together. And it's not like, that's not something that can be replicated. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and like, to be clear, I think there is something very romantic about having a connection over FaceTime or text. Like I'm thinking of a story that I worked on last year, um, basically reporting out the idea that meeting somebody online can be incredibly romantic. And I spoke to people across the country who had really, really, really unbelievably swoon worthy stories about meeting online. And one of them had a quote in the piece where she's like, she met her boyfriend like through Facebook. Um, and they were long distance across several States for a couple of years. And she was like, if you think that my album of saved photos and Snapchats and Instagrams and videos like would not make you swoon as hard as any love letter you're wrong and I'm paraphrasing it but like I just got chills saying that and Mm -hmm. like I think that's so beautiful but like you do need to at least like meet in person I think at some point like you can't just solely exist on yeah sort of digital connection completely as a longtime viewer of 90 Day Fiance I can vouch for that statement (laughs) I have a very extensive no I'm just kidding I mean I'm not kidding about my viewership of it but (laughs) I do feel like they're okay most of the couples on that show that show is horrid and I'm obviously like if I were a person who had any shame I would be embarrassed to admit that I watch it you are not uh, alone Liza I mean <laughs> it's not. just good content but most of the couples are horrible and problematic and upsetting and troubling but I think there are some couples who really love each other who are on that show and they found each other on the internet and they develop their connection without having met and they're like like, rearrange their whole lives to be together like they change everything they leave everything they know and i think occasionally 10 percent of couples on that show i'm like oh i really think this is really beautiful (laughs) i'm like i'm very fascinated by the different 
mediums of connection whether you're you know on 90 day fiance like true international dating slash engagement or you're just in quarantine because I was and I think I mentioned this but I was talking to my boyfriend about like if we had a FaceTime video date I just know how shy he gets like he does he wouldn't love him he would not have the like little like swagger that he has in real life on a FaceTime date it wouldn't it I was like I don't think we would have connected in the same way however like he was a funny texter early so like texting I felt like oh this guy's making me laugh I don't I so I just I find I'm personally just I'm quite bad at like all these zoom happy hours etc I look at myself too much I start hating on myself but I think yeah it feels like this all could work out for some couples in amazing ways if you find the right medium to connect within yeah for sure I think that like some couples are going to come out of this but I think unfortunately that more couples are going to fizzle out I hate to say that but no I I yeah oh it's true I keep waiting for like a wave of of the the quarantine breakups to happen not that I obviously not that I want them to happen but there haven't been any in my immediate circle yet and I am kind of (laughs) surprised it's like just feel like it is a lot to be around someone 24 7 for four months for anyone yeah yeah yeah. for couples who have been married for 20 years you know this is a unique situation roommates for like any for families i don't know um hannah you've been with your family how has that been i love your family i don't know them but i love your instagram (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you thank you no they're good um you know we've gotten into a routine i was laughing when you were talking about 90 day fiance because um we've been in quarantine together for, I mean, currently, I want to say it's like close to a hundred days. It'll probably be more than a hundred by the time this comes out. And my dad and my sister and I have watched Love Island, I would say a hundred nights in a row. Um, so that's our quarantine. It's I'm like very- they made it for this, for this scenario. <laughs> was, this, <laughs> was this your dad's first introduction? Sorry to Love oh, Island. Yeah. 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 And like, he refuses to admit it, but I think he secretly loves that we force him to watch it because it's like, otherwise he couldn't watch it, but like he can watch it with us. Um, I'm just throwing it out there. If anyone listening wants to DM me to talk specifically about Love Island, please. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like somehow I've missed it in my, I mean, I watched one season of it. Um, but I, I didn't even finish the one season of it. I liked it a lot, but like, I am a reality TV, like consumer extraordinaire. And I, I think it might be the next thing on my list. Cause I, quarantine has really allowed me to crush a lot of shows that I've been meaning to crush for a while. So Love Island might be next. You may be getting a DM from me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah, what are you looking forward to most? This does not have to do with dating at all, but coming like, out of quarantine what are you missing most about semi-normal life or whatever life will look like as things are safe as as it is safe to go to places because I know things are opening up but when it is safe yeah I really just want to hug my friends I know that's such a happy answer but that's really all I want to do um and whether that's like in somebody's apartment or at a restaurant like just give me hugs give me friends yeah no yeah yeah Yeah, hugs are it's wild that the the way that they affect your happiness and well-being like i've seen a very few people just from a distance you know and the weirdness of like getting out of a car you know i i was with my family for a while and so i saw some cousins and stuff like that and we stayed a certain amount apart and 
you know, went for a walk or whatever we did. But the weirdness of like getting out of your car and being like, oh, hi. Like, like I just, so, yeah, it does. There's something so fundamental about just like that impulse. It so I just graduated and it was on Zoom and a small group of us were like, we can't be alone. It's too sad. So we all got COVID tests. And so it was safe to like watch together in a house, mm-hmm. um, a small group of us. But we were, it, you're still, even when you know you're all negative, it's weird. You don't go in for the hug. It's like socializing with people I love dearly, even in a small group was still stressful in a way. Like it's, it. I'm just kind of, I'm... I'm going to struggle as much as I am an extrovert and love being around humans. I'm going to struggle like with being like half able to hang out with people being still in this weird quarantine mindset, not able to hug and like share a beverage the way one would want to. I don't know. It's so tough. I almost think it's harder to have that half experience. Like the first time I had a, I had a um, zoom birthday party, which was, really sweet and I loved my friends for coming but like as soon as it was over I was like should I have just not had one at all because it's almost more depressing that that was yeah yeah it was it was weird I had a I got I had a birthday in quarantine too and I I just was like I have never felt more like can we just pretend it's not my birthday like I just I was very it was very I usually am a little bit of a birthday princess and I was kind of like I just want to pretend. I just want to skip this year. Yeah. I'll turn 32 next year. <laughs> or 27. <laughs> yeah, I'll just skip skip this year too. I'm fine with that. One event you should go to though, just putting it out there if you are bored and do need something to do, is my book launch. It's tonight. It's June 23rd. Um, and it's going to be on Zoom, but also on Facebook Live through the Strand. And so that's my Instagram for details. And we're also going to be having another book launch on June 29th with Porter Square Books in Cambridge. So that's um, incredible. So, I think and supporting those indie bookstores. Yeah, we will link to those if we can in the show notes. I don't know if it will be live or we'll just link to where you can get more information so you can yeah. join. Yeah, that would be we'll really definitely. Fun. Totally. We'll definitely put Hannah's social where obviously you'll be able to find all the all the info. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about your book launch? You want to shout out your social, give them a, a, um, the places to all the places to find you? Yeah. Um, so I'd be really honored if you could purchase my book from an indie bookstore just because they really need our love right now. So a couple that I love are The Strands in Manhattan. Uh, the Lit Bar in the Bronx, which is a bookstore slash wine bar. Um, Porter Square Books in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is just delightful. Um, and if you prefer to order online, you can order through bookshop.org, and that supports all indie bookstores. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Hannah Orens, H-A-N-N-A-H-O-R-E-N-S. Thank you Amazing. so much for being here and letting us ask all the questions. I'm like, tell me about the pandemic. Tell me about writing. <laughs> tell me about your dating. <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time and hanging with us again. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, it's always Thanks. so fun. And we will we'll be in touch. Um, I can't wait to read your book. I'm trying to read more books as you know, my quarantine brain gets a little bit better, a little healthier. I don't know. It still feels like mush, but Liza and I were talking about how we need to start reading more. Um, so I just wrote a story about that, actually. It just published yesterday. Um, yeah, it's on Cosmo.com. It's like literally like if you have quarantine brain and your brain is mush, you're supposed to do it. Maybe that's what I saw. And I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> 
Yeah. That'll yeah. be something I'm going to go ahead and check out. Yeah. But Hannah, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to catch up. And we're going to link to everything that Hannah talked about in regards to her book, etc., in the show notes. And thank you. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.